All right, let's spend a little time together before we start uh, this morning's message. So I've got a, two questions. So the first question, if you can discuss amongst yourselves and answer this question, uh, why is it in the English language uh, the two hardest words to say are, I'm sorry. So if you can talk amongst yourselves, discuss that. Why is it so hard to ask for forgiveness and say, I'm sorry? To find some people around you, introduce yourself. Why is it hard for you? And I to say I'm sorry. And for those of you watching online, if you can ask that amongst yourselves as well. I see this young man back here has got his hand raised. You have an answer? Okay. <laughs> All right, here's the second question uh, to talk amongst yourselves and discuss is why is it that we remember very easily the people who have hurt and offended us but quickly forget the people that we've hurt and offended. Why is it that we remember all the stuff people have done to us and hurt us and talked about us and offended us, but we quickly forget the stuff that we've done to hurt other people and betray them? All right, I'm, I'm going to need help from the uh, kids this morning uh, since we've got Family Sunday. So I've got a question for the kids. If I were in a race, a running race, would I run that running race faster without a backpack on or with a heavy backpack on? So that's a question. If I were to run a race and I have a heavy backpack on, would I run it faster with or without it? It's the kids, y'all. Come on. Not the adults. So for the adult over here who spoiled it, yes, I'd run faster without the backpack. Here's an image uh, that the Bible conveys about this thing that we all experience called guilt or conviction. In Psalm 32.5, the Bible says this, is that when we sin and when we refuse to confess that sin to God... Psalm 32.5 says, and God's hand was heavy on me. It was like a weight or a burden on me. And that's what guilt is. Guilt, when we do something wrong, when we sin, and we feel that guilt or God convicts us, when we feel that, it's a burden or a weight. And here's the thing about that. Uh, we talked about why it's so hard to ask for forgiveness and to confess sin. So many of us find the difficulty in confessing sin and asking for forgiveness that we would rather live with the guilt. We'd rather live with the conviction. We'd rather live with the burden on us. And we become accustomed with having a burden like this backpack on us because we say, you know what? I'm not gonna confess it. I'm not gonna ask for forgiveness. We'd rather live with that and have it really slow and impede our growth and progress 
And this is true whether you're a six-year-old who's trusted Christ or a 60-year-old who's trusted Christ. We'd rather live with that than to confess our offenses. But today we're going to look at this, and this is for everyone here, whether you're 60 or 60, every age in between or above and below, we're going to look at how do we restore relationships. So if you have your Bibles, and pray for me, because we're going to talk about David and Bathsheba on Family Sunday, 2 Samuel chapter 11, 2 Samuel 11, and don't worry, this will be very G-rated. 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, we're going to look at today the relationship between King David and Nathan the prophet. King David and Nathan the prophet in this series called Kings and Prophets that we started three weeks ago. And we're going to look at how do we restore relationships, how to restore a relationship with God if we're a believer and we've fractured that relationship or broken that relationship, and how do we restore that relationships amongst ourselves, amongst father and children, mother and child, amongst spouses, amongst roommates, amongst community group members. How do we restore relationship between God, but also with one another? I'm sorry, Psalm 32.4 says God's heavy hand was on me, not Psalm 32.5. Psalm 32.4 says God's heavy hand was on me when I refused to confess my sin. So in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 11, verses 1 through 26, I'll just give a very quick summary. We find point number one, we commit and cover up sin. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 26, you can read it later in your own time. We see David sins against Bathsheba, David sins against Uriah, and ultimately David sins against God. What does he do? Rather than confessing it, asking forgiveness, he chooses to live with the guilt and conviction and suppresses it. And so 2 Samuel 11, verses 1 through 26, we commit and cover up sin. Opening up about our sin is not something we readily do, and this is what David does. Whether it's out of shame, whether it's out of pride, whether it's trying to keep his image up, whether it's trying because of insecurities, all of us in here, like David, we tend to commit sin, offend a holy God, and we try to cover it up. And that's true of our kids as well. And that's why, like, often, you know, we'll, we'll have uh, chocolate chip uh, chocolate around their mouth and the cookie jars open, and you can go to your kid and say, did you have a cookie? And they'll say, mm-mm, mm-mm. So we all commit and cover up sin. But here's the thing about it is God sees it. God sees it. He's everywhere present. He's all-knowing. God sees it, and there's nothing that we can do to hide and cover our sin from God. And here's the other thing, and this is the key I mentioned last week to the parents. Our kids see it too, and the people around us see it as well. As you try to uphold the image like you've got it all together, that you're always constantly obeying God and you're obedient to him and you're faithful, but you know what? Your kids see, your roommates, your coworkers see that you have faults, that you make mistakes, that you do wrong, that you sin, that you lie, that you shade the truth in your favor. They see those things. And I would say this, as the parent of two children, uh, kids have a natural BS detector, all right? They have a natural BS detector. And, and, and you're saying, what does BS mean? Behavioral symmetry, all right? They know when the words coming out of your mouth do not match how you're living. They know that when you act one way at church and act another way at home, they see there's a lack of behavioral symmetry. They see that. And this is what parents often try to do, because I've been there. We try to cover it up. We try to mask it with all more promises or little gifts or other things rather than trying to make things right. So we commit and cover up sin. We all do that. That's our natural tendency, whether out of pride, insecurity, trying to keep up an image, whatever it is. And that's what David does. He commits sin. But here's the problem. 
2 Samuel eleven twenty seven. Let's just look at that one verse. 2 Samuel eleven twenty seven says, when the time of mourning was over, David sent servants and had her brought to his house. That's Bathsheba. And she became his wife. Then she bore him a son. But the thing that David did had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. So he may have thought he had gotten over on people, gotten over on the people in Israel. But he says God saw. Here's point number two. Sin breaks our relationship with God and people. Sin breaks our relationship with God and people. Because God is holy. Because God is perfect. Because God is light and there's no darkness in him, that even as believers, as people who've put our faith in Jesus, forgiven for our sins, past, present, and future, first John would tell us in order to maintain fellowship with the holy God, he says, sin breaks our friendship or relationship with God, and it breaks our relationship with other people. And we see that from the text, 2 Samuel eleven twelve 12 and on in the life of King David. We see all these broken relationships because of what David did, even though He tried to cover it up. But here's how good and gracious God is. Look at uh, chapter 12. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said, There were two men in a city, the one wealthy and the other poor. The wealthy man had a great many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing at all except one little ewe lamb, which he bought and nurtured. And it grew up together with him and his children. It would eat scraps from, his, uh, from him and drink from his cup and lie in his lap. And was like a daughter to him. So this little ewe lamb, he's cared for like a child or she's cared for like a child. Verse four, now a visitor came to the wealthy man and he could not bring himself to take any animal from his own flock or his own herd, even though he had thousands of animals to prepare for the traveler who had come to him. So he took the poor man's ewe lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger burned greatly against the Lord, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, a man who has done this certainly deserves to die. So he must make restitution for the lamb four times over since he did this thing and had no compassion. Verse 7. This is one of those times you you don't want people to say, You're the man. Nathan then said to David, You yourself are the man. So here's point number three is this, God convicts us of our sin. God convicts us of our sin. We may try to cover it up. We commit it, we cover it up, but God convicts us of it. He sends Nathan the prophet. Nathan says, let me tell you a story. He said, there's a very wealthy man who had large herds, a very poor man who had one ewe lamb. Guest comes into town. He takes the lamb of this little ewe lamb, the ewe lamb of this man, and serves it for dinner. What should happen to that man? And David, obviously irate, not realizing that he had done the same thing. He had taken something that did not belong to him. But Nathan, or ultimately God, uses this to expose and convict him of his sin. So God convicts us of our sin. The psalm that Ryan read as our call to worship, Psalm 51, verses 1 through 4, said the exact same thing. That God is the one whose our sin is ever before him, and he's the one that reveals it to us. He convicts us of our sin. So here's... Point number four, we've got five points today, is this. We confess our sin to God and those that we've offended. We confess our sin to God and those that we've offended. Because in 1 Samuel 12, verse 13, then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. I have sinned against the Lord. He says, you know what? This is what I've done, and I confess it to the Lord. And we also confess it to those we've offended. First uh, John 1 9, a verse probably we all memorize in Sunday school, says this, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That word confess 
means to say the same thing. If God calls it sin, you call it sin. If God calls it lying, you call it lying. If God calls it stealing, you call it stealing. We confess our sin. We agree with God and say, God, this is what I did. But here's the other part of it. Is not only do we sin and we now confess it to God, James 5.16 would also indicate this, that we would confess it to those that we've hurt. Because when we sin, when we do wrong, it not only affects our vertical relationship, but also affects our horizontal relationship. Amen? And so because of that, we have to confess our sins to those that we've hurt as well. James 5.16 says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. That word confess is different than the word in 1 John 1, 9. In 1 John 1, 9, it means to say the same thing. But in James 5, 16, the prefix ex, E-X is added to it. E-X means to explode or expose. It means to come out. So that word in James 5, 16 says confess your sins to one another. It means that the people that you've hurt, let them hear it come out of your mouth. Say it from your mouth. That's what the words X come, the prefix X means is let them hear you confess and ask for forgiveness as well. So when we sin, we cover it up. God convicts us of it because it breaks our relationship with him and breaks our relationship with other people, breaks up families, breaks up marriages, breaks up churches. When God convicts us of it and he says, now we confess it to God, we also confess it to those that we have hurt as well. And if you're saying, oh, I don't know who I've hurt, then you pray. Say, God, would you reveal to me the people I need to confess this to and ask for forgiveness from? Holy Spirit, would you reveal that to me? Just like in Psalm 51, that the Spirit would examine and expose your heart. But here's the thing that we rarely talk about. Uh, in Psalm 32.5, he says this, when he confessed his sin, you forgave the guilt of my sin. And this is the picture. He says, Psalm 32, 4, when I sinned and I refused to confess my sin, your hand was heavy upon me. It was like a heavy backpack. But he says, when I confess my sin, he says, it was as if that burden was now gone. You forgave me for the guilt of my sin. The weight of that burden on me has now been forgiven. I've been freed. I've been set free because I confess it now to God. But here's point number five is Numbers 5, 5 through 8. You can look at that later on. Numbers chapter 5, verses 5 through 8 says that when you and I sin, when we do wrong in the community of faith, it affects our vertical relationship, but also horizontal relationship. So he says in Numbers 5, 5 through 8, then you confess that sin to God. You say, God, I messed up. And now you confess it to others and make things right. So here's point number five is pay the price to make things right. Pay the price to make things right. And in Numbers chapter five, he says, make restitution, make financial restitution. If there was a cost to be paid, he says, you make financial restitution. And he says, even add 20% for the loss this person may have had. Uh, my good friend, Eric Anderson is here this morning. Um, he's a pastor of church in Atascacita. He also is part of Fellowship Christian Athletes. And uh, he's a cyclist. He's gotten into cycling. So imagine my wife and I are going down to the coast of Galveston, and we want to go on that uh, seawall. We want to ride along the seawall. And so I go to Eric, and I said, Eric, hey, can I borrow one of your bikes? My wife and I are going down to the coast. Can I borrow one of your bikes? And he says, sure, go ahead and come to my house, and I'll let you choose one of the bikes you can borrow. So I borrow one of his bikes. I take it down to the coast. While I'm down at the coast, I'm looking at my cell phone, trying to take selfies while I'm on the bike, and I crash the bike into one of the rocks. 
And then I'm a little frustrated, so I leave it on the porch of our little uh, Airbnb there. And then after about a week, it's all rusted. And so finally, after being at the uh, beach for a week, I bring the bike back to Eric. Here's the bike. And I say, Eric, thank you for letting me use your bike. And I said, you know what? But while I was down at the beach, I crashed in some rocks, taking a selfie, and I just left it on our porch of our Airbnb. It's now rusted. And I said, here's your bike. Would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? And Eric says, oh, you're a brother in Christ. I love you like a brother. Sure, I forgive you. I forgive you. But his next question is going to be this. Who going to get me a new bike? Right? If you and I are going to be reconciled in our friendship and our relationship as brothers in Christ, as fellow pastors and ministers of gospel, who's going to buy the new bike? Right? And at that point, I get all theological on him. Right? And I quote the old hymn. Well, Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe, right? Jesus paid for it, right? He says, no, 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 no. He paid for the guilt of your sin and my sin and our sin. He paid for the guilt. My question to you is, who's going to open up their wallet? Who's going to get their credit card out and get this bike fixed or get me a new bike? Who's going to do that? In order for me to reconcile with him, I ask for forgiveness from God first and then from Eric. But to make things right, what I do is say, I'm now committed to making things right, I will buy you a new bike. I will pay for the repairs, whatever it takes. I will do that because Jesus paid the price for the guilt of my sin, but Jesus didn't pay for you to get a brand new bike. And this concept, you all know, if you've ever had a crime committed against you, even the court systems, they do restitution. If you've been robbed of something, someone's taken something from you, they say, hey, this person is going to jail or prison, but they also have to make restitution. So, Number five is we pay the price to make things right. David even says this, if you remember in uh, uh, verse uh, six, uh, 2 Samuel 12, 6. So he must make restitution for the land four times over since he did this thing and had no compassion. So both numbers and here in 2 Samuel, even David understands when a wrong has been done, when something has been taken, he says, in order to make things right, you confess to the God, confess to the person, and then you say, whatever it takes to make things right, I will pay. I'll take care of it. So here's a question. Would you just stop right where you are, even if you're watching online? Think right now of someone in your life, whether it happened 20 years ago or just 20 hours ago, someone that hurt you, someone that hurt you, someone that lied about you and your character, someone who took advantage of you, someone who took something from you. Can you think of somebody right now? Perhaps you're a kid here right now and you're sitting there thinking, well, yeah, my dad promised to take me to the the Astros game and work came up and he flaked and he never said sorry or anything like that. Okay, does everyone have somebody or somebodies? You have several people, right? So all of us in here, if we're honest enough, can say, Man, there is somebody that has hurt me that if they came to my door this afternoon, knocked on my door and said, would you forgive me? I, what I did was wrong. I confess it to God and I'm now confessing it to you. Would you forgive me? We would be ecstatic over that. Amen? That hopefully there'd be some reconciliation. It could be an adult child. It could be a coworker. If they came and called you or knocked on your door, came to your cubicle tomorrow morning and said, hey, you know what? When I lied to the boss about this, about you, hey, would you forgive me for that? I'm gonna go make things right. I'm gonna go to the boss and tell him I lied. You were in the right. Wouldn't that be amazing if that happened? Are y'all here? Wouldn't that be amazing if that happened? 
Wouldn't that be amazing? But here's the thing. One of your coworkers is at another church right now. One of your coworkers is maybe even watching online. Your kids may be watching online. And you know the person they're thinking about that hurt them the most? You know who it is? It's you. It's you. They're waiting on you to come to their house this afternoon, knock on the door. They're waiting for you to pick up the phone and say, hey, can we have lunch? There's something I need to talk to you about. Because again, it's very easy for us to remember how our kids hurt us, how our parents hurt us, how our coworkers hurt us, how our pastor hurt us. But we have to say, you know what? If we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we're in the position of being the offender. And there are people right now who are maybe praying and saying, God, would you bring this person? I want to make things right with my mom and dad. I want to make things right with my coworker who are just waiting on you. So I want to give you this, this tool for the parents and everybody in here. This is not just for the parents, but I want to give you a very simplistic tool. So if you have those cards that were given to you at the front, uh, outside, you take those cards out. Turn it to the side with the little hand motions and the graphics on there. Take a look at it. Everybody together. Everybody together. I want to give you the tools to hopefully reconcile relationships. Now, if you ask for forgiveness, you confess sin. God is always ready and willing to forgive you. Open arms. But if the people that you ask forgiveness from, that you confess sin to, say, I'm not going to forgive you. I still don't want to talk to you. That's on them. That's why in Romans it says, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. You ask for forgiveness, and if they choose not to forgive, and they choose to write you off, then you, you let it be. But as far as you, as a child of God, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, are concerned, you can say, you know what, I know I wrong people. I know I commit sin. I know I've hurt people. I know I do that. Whether it was like a day ago or 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I know I've done that. So here's the thing. So I need y'all to go with me, whether you're an adult or a child, there's hand motions of this, all right? So y'all with, y'all ready? So we disobey God. So we make the X. We disobey. We disobey. What we do is we pray. Then we pray. First John 1, 9. Pray. You can do holding hands or however you pray. We pray. And then we say, we say to the people that we've offended, I'm sorry. I've, I've done this wrong. I'm confessing this to you. We say. And then if necessary, if necessary, y'all take out your wallets and purses. We pay. We pay. And if you want to be a reconciler, repentance reconciles relationships. And so again, we all disobey. Because we disobey, we, we confess that sin to God. God, would you forgive me for that sin? You call it lying, I call it lying. You call it cheating, I call it cheating. You call it stealing, I call it stealing. You call it whatever, that's what I call it. You call it gossip, I call it gossip. That's what I'm, I'm going to pray and confess to you. The people that we've hurt, that we've gossiped against or slandered, then we say, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have told that lie about you. You asked me to keep this secret in confidence and I told somebody, would you forgive me? And then we pay. If necessary, we pay. If we need to make things right, we pay. Uh, and again, the parents, to the parents in here, thank you for coming to Family Sunday. And I pray this, because all of us have to teach our kids to ask for forgiveness and apologize to your brother and sister or your teacher. We have to do that. But my prayer is this is that your house would be a household where sin is quickly confessed to God and to one another. Where you keep a very short list of accounts, where things are made right very quickly in your home, that there's a lot of grace and love and truth in your home. 
Um, many years ago, um, my mom was celebrating her birthday, and we were going to the Adobe Cafe, the Adobe Cafe in New Braunfels. If you've ever been there, it's probably the best Tex-Mex place in New Braunfels. Uh, and so we're excited going to my mom's birthday party. My mother-in-law's driving down from Austin. We're driving up from San Antonio. Really amazing food. We're there to celebrate my mom's birthday. But I don't know if any other parents have had this before. Why is it that right before vacation and big events, you get into it with your spouse? I, I don't know what it is. Maybe like the enemy is just there, like being an instigator. But we got into it, my wife and I, right before we're getting into the car, getting ready to go celebrate my mom's birthday at the amazing Adobe Cafe. And this is what happens. Because in any relationship between friends, between church members, between spouse, it is never, ever 100% the other person's fault and 0% your fault. Amen? It's always 50-50, 90-10, 66-33, whatever. It's, it's never zero and 100 and on this trip from, 45 minute trip from our house to New Braunfels, I knew my wife and I were not seeing eye to eye. 10% of that was her fault. 90% was my fault. I'll admit that. Now, at least. 10% <laughs> her fault, 90% my fault. I don't know about you all, but I'm driving the car, I'm like stone cold silent. My wife is silent. The kids are in the back seat. They're like three and five years old. And this is what I told myself. Not, not the Holy Spirit. This is icky talking to icky. I ain't confessing to no 10% until she confesses the 90%. And I ain't going to say nothing, nothing until she confesses to her 10%. 90% my fault, all right? So I'm just like mad, fuming mad, getting ready to go celebrate my mom's birthday, Tara's mad, the girls are sitting in the back. And this is the thing, again, our kids, they know when the elephant's in the room. They know when there's an elephant in the car. They know that there's tension in the car. They know that mom and dad are just putting on a mask, getting ready to go celebrate grandma's birthday. They know that. And this is what happened, and y'all have had this before as well. Psalm 51 kicks in, Psalm 32 kicks in. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit is eating my lunch, saying, icky. Why are you being so stubborn? You know that 90% of this is on you. Why are you being so stubborn? And at that point, like, I started crying. Like, I started, like, literally tearing up. And I confessed to God. I said, God, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm being stubborn. I'm being proud. Forgive me. We get to the parking lot. It's been quiet the entire 45-minute ride up there. I look at my wife, I look at my girls, and all of a sudden the tears just come out and I say, honey, would you forgive me? I've just been a jerk this whole trip and I just need to confess that to you. For bad, forgive me for my attitude, forgive me for just this bad attitude I've had and just being silent. And I said, girls, forgive dad for just dealing with, being all right with the elephant in the room and living with this tension. Would you forgive me? And the girls are like, yeah, dad, we forgive you. My wife's like, we forgive you. I dry my tears, we go inside and celebrate my mom's birthday. But I remember after that, like, there's been like a culture in our house of when we do wrong, we confess it to God and we confess it to one another. And if we need to make things right, we need to pay the price, we're willing to do that. So again, my encouragement to you all as parents is this, is that model it, do it, because again, your kids have that natural detection system. They can see it. They know when there's an elephant in the room. They know when mom and dad are fighting. 
They know when dad said, hey, I'm going to take you to the Astros game. And then you come home and say, well, I got too busy. And you make excuses rather than saying, son, would you forgive me? They know that. And to say, God, would you forgive me? I made a commitment to my son. I made a commitment to my daughter. I made a commitment to my coworkers. And I flaked on that. I went for a better opportunity. And you confess those people. And you pay the price to make things right. Let's pray. God, um, thank you that you are so gracious, forgiving, uh, with open arms. God, we see it in Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. Um, But we know that our sin breaks our relationship with you. That's why uh, David says in Psalm 51, cast me not away from your presence, God. So God, I pray that as we sin, and we know we do, God, whether in word or deed or attitude, God, that we would be quick to confess as your spirit convicts us, as we feel your hand of heaviness on us, that we'd be quick to confess our sin to you. And God, we know that sin not only has a vertical relationship, but also a horizontal relationship, that when we sin, we sin against the people around us as well. So God, I pray now that you would help us to confess our sins to others. And God, it's hard. It's hard. Because when we confess sin and ask for forgiveness, we give up control. We put control into the hands of somebody else. God, it's hard because we want to keep this image that we have everything together. And God, that tarnishes that image. God, it's hard because it releases uh, that security of being in control. And again, we yield control or security now to others. But God, we know ultimately that you're in control, that we can find security in you. And God, we know that if we confess and ask for forgiveness from others, and they refuse to forgive us, refuse uh, to acknowledge it, God, we've done what we need to do to be at peace with all people. And God, we pray that you bless that. And God, if there's a price to pay to make things right, that we would indeed pay that price. God, help us to do that, we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, we're gonna ask the prayer team to come on up. So prayer team to my left and right, please. If you need prayer, whether you're, again, child, adult, young adult, uh, prayer team will be on my left and right if you need prayer. And perhaps it's something about You've been convicted. God's put something on you, that burden that you're feeling, saying, you know what, I need to confess something that happened 20 years ago to my grandpa, something that happened 10 years ago to my mom, something to a coworker tomorrow morning. I just need to go straight to my boss's office and confess, hey, I know that we're missing some money, and I'm willing to make things right. I lied on this report. So prayer team coming up left and right. Also, uh, there's an app. The Bike City Fellowship at Spring Branch app. If there's a prayer request that we can pray for, we pray as elders every Thursday morning. We'd love to join you in prayer. So prayer team, come up and receive prayer.